You're listening to Tash Amplified, a podcast that seeks to transform research and experience concerning inclusion and equity for people with disabilities into solutions people can use in their everyday lives. Today we're talking with Gonzalo Martinez de Vidia, who is a policy manager with the Indivisible Project. Indivisible started as a 23-page guide on how to influence your congresspeople, written by former congressional staffers with first-hand experience of what works and what doesn't work. The guide has been downloaded over 2 million times, and Indivisible now comprises nearly 6,000 local groups. Their primary focus in recent weeks has been on preventing Congress from repealing the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act and cutting $800 billion from Medicaid, which they could do as early as next week. We talk with Gonzalo about what TASH members can do to protect these essential rights for people with disabilities. Gonzalo Martinez de Vidia, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So many of our members depend on services available through Medicaid and the expanded availability of health care through the Affordable Care Act. How will this be affected by the bill that the House passed in May and is now under consideration in the Senate? Unfortunately, there is a lot to be concerned about, both in the version that passed the House and in what is likely to come out of the negotiations that are happening in the Senate right now. Um, So we do not know the details of what's in the Senate. uh, So we do have to work off of what the Ryan uh, bill in the House outlined. And in that scenario, uh, we would see Uh, essentially over $800 billion in cuts to Medicaid, it effectively would end uh, Medicaid expansion by 2020, which of course should be of concern to everyone who cares about having a safety net for people who most need it in in our healthcare system. But the elderly, families with children, people with disabilities in particular, stand to be severely affected uh, if if Trump care were to become uh, law. And the Senate is being extremely secretive about this bill. Tell us about their plan to get this bill to passage and what timeline we can expect. Yeah. How urgent is it that people take, take steps now? Well, we couldn't be recording this uh, at a better time. And I, I know that uh, you know, t- today uh, is uh, June 15th, and I'm sure this will reach your audience uh, in, the, in the near future and will still be in the month of June. So what we do know today is that the Senate has every intention to try to get a vote on their version of the bill before July 4th recess, which means that we could see something like a vote on uh, June 28th or 29th. Uh, and, you know, the reason that, that that's very, in a way, premature is because of the process that has led up to that. Um, there have not been public hearings about this bill. Uh, there is no CBO, Congressional Budget Office, score on this bill, so we don't really know the full impact of what they might be proposing. And even without, you know, putting aside the process questions, there are 13... Uh, senators, all male, all Republican, that are working behind closed doors to hammer out the final details of what they're going to put forward. And when they put it forward, you know, there might be as few as three days uh, between when we see the bill and when they get a vote. Um, 
So in, in that way, we're looking at a very, uh, very short timeline and really sort of an undemocratic process uh, headed into the, the end of this month. Tell us about the Indivisible Guide. What is and is not effective when trying to influence your congressperson? Sure. Uh, so we know that you know, in this, uh, in, in this political environment in 2017, there are many ways to get involved politically. And what we humbly suggest uh, is that, that some tactics are more effective than others when it comes to making Congress listen. Um, so we, we know from, from the Tea Party really getting Congress to uh, give up a lot of the Obama agenda. We know that part of the reason that they had to listen is because folks were showing up at their home districts in the district office of their individual member of Congress, they weren't really bothering to go out and, you know, uh, sign a big online petition that would all go to the Speaker of the House or the President. They were showing up at the office of the person who they vote into office, in, in the case of the Houses of Representatives, every two years. Um, so, you know, folks that are here in D.C., yeah, they might have ideology, they might want to follow a party line, but they also realize that they have to be reelected. And that's a very cold calculation that they have to make with their individual constituencies. And if their constituency is showing up consistently on any one issue, making the calls, showing up to town halls, showing up to their district office, folks are going to realize that they're going to have to listen. They're going to be forced to listen to whatever that uh, contingent might have to say. And what means of speaking to your senator, of, commu of communicating with them, should constituents take, and what direction should they aim their message? So we, um, we put a short list of, of different methods that we think are the most effective on indivisibleguide.com, um, and they include uh, things that are, are so obvious that sometimes we forget. Um, it, making an in-person visit to uh, the district office of your member of Congress, uh, making a weekly phone call, um, to reiterate whatever policy priorities you might have. Um, showing up in person to town halls and not just going alone, but organizing your neighbors, organizing your community and having a meeting before the town hall so that you can get together and decide what questions you really want to make sure that you get into the queue. Um, and of course, you know, in the environment that we're in, uh, it, you know, these things have much more of an impact if they can get on the news. So giving local media a heads up that you plan to go to your district office and have an action or giving local media a heads up that you'll be at the town hall talking about the way that the repeal of the ACA will affect you. Uh, these are all ways that we can amplify our voice and go a little bit beyond just registering our opinion with the staffer. You know, if, if, if it's just one person calling one time, making one opinion, you know, having one opinion about one thing, it's a lot easier for a low-level staff person in a congressional office to kind of put that away in the filing cabinet. But if it's a concerted effort, a coordinated campaign of calls and visits that is getting the local news talking about that member of Congress and the position that they are taking on whatever policy priority is important to us, then that's much more likely to get into the mind and the calculations of that member of Congress when they come to D.C. and they begin to negotiate with something as sensitive as, as our access to health care. The American Health Care Act is really close to having the votes to pass in the Senate. So I think the idea is to 
look at specific influential senators. Which senators and in which states are the most important Congress people for citizens to try to influence? Yeah, so there's two answers to that. You know, the first answer, of course, is we encourage people to call whoever their individual two senators happen to be in whatever state they are. And there's work to do in all in all states. Um, but as a national campaign, of course, we have to hone in on uh, certain targets, especially now that we're getting in, into the final stretch. You know, the House has already voted. Uh, we are now in the Senate and in, we are in the final stretch of the Senate negotiations. And what the Republican caucus and leadership is trying to do as we speak is to coax and uh, buy off the, the very last couple of votes that they need. Now, remember, in this particular case, they are going to use a Senate procedure known as reconciliation so that they don't have to uh, meet the usual standard of having a filibuster-proof vote of, of 60. Uh, they actually only are going to need uh, 50 votes plus um, Mike Pence to break the tie if it happens to be at 50 or 51 votes just to get it through without the help of the White House. And uh, in order to get to, to that, they almost need every senator in the chamber to vote, uh, it, it, you know, every every senator in the Republican caucus to vote for the bill. So that means that they cannot afford to lose more than two senators. Um, and there have been senators out there within the Republican caucus that have shown deep reservations about moving forward with Trump care. Um, so either because of that or because they happen to be in states that are most affected by uh, the rollback in, in, in health care that, that, uh, tr that is in, in Trump care, or uh, because they are up for re-election in the next cycle, we've honed in on 10 states that include 10, uh, 11 senators, and they are uh, Susan Collins in Maine, Dean Heller in Nevada, Shelley Capito in West Virginia, Bill Cassidy in Louisiana, Rob Portman in Ohio, Tom Cotton in Arkansas, Cory Gardner in Colorado, Jeff Flake in Arizona, Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania, and the two senators from Alaska, Sullivan and Murkowski. So if we were able to peel off even three of those 11, uh, we'd be in great shape in making sure that this disastrous bill doesn't get through. So it's great if you live in one of those districts, but all too many of us live in districts where our Congress people are already going to do the right thing. For example, my senators are Mark Warner and Tim Kaine, and my representative is Donald Beyer. What can I do in a district where they're already going to vote against the American Health Care Act? You know, this is a very common question that we get. You know, there are 6,000 indivisible groups using the indivisible strategy around the country right now, and they're spread out in every congressional district in every state. So that means, yeah, absolutely, that plenty of folks tuning in and wanting to do something about this policy are doing it from zip codes that are already sending uh, folks that are on the right side of, of this particular fight on health care. Uh, but I think what's important to know about the Senate is that it doesn't operate exactly in the same way that the House operates. And what that means for Democrats is that they actually have a lot of tools at their disposal to um, to slow down the process and draw more attention to what is in the bill. So what McConnell and the Republican caucus happen to be, you know, using as a strategy right now this month is to get everything done before July 4th so that they don't really have to face their constituents and have an open and honest conversation about the way that Trump care would affect 
millions of Americans. So one way that Democrats can really kind of put a hitch into that uh, into that plan is to bring Senate business to to a halt. Um, you know, there are plenty of things that the Senate would like to be spending its time on, not the least of which are confirming all of the different nominations that Trump has put forward. They want to uh, have sanctions for Russia and, and they want to get to the bigger policy items of the budget, uh, tax reform, infrastructure. Um, so there is an inherent interest in the Senate to keep things moving along and get this bill through quickly. But if Democrats really want to protect the people that are going to be affected by Trump care, one thing they could do is to say that it is so unacceptable to be uh, 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 kept in the dark about what might be in, in the package that, you know, no other Senate business could move forward. They could do that by withholding consent. Uh, they could do that by what's called filibustering by amendments, which would be to cre uh, offer uh, an endless amount of, of amendments to prolong the process. And essentially, at the end of the day, there are ways that the majority in the Senate would be able to overcome these procedural moves. But what, would, what it would accomplish is it would create more media attention into this pivotal moment in the fight over health care and potentially uh, get more people tuned into what's happening so they can finally talk to their senators about stepping away from uh, from this really bad proposal. So what can our members do to save Medicaid and the Affordable Care Act? How do people get involved? Where can people learn more? So a, a good first step is to go to indivisibleguide.com or specifically if they happen to be in one of the 10 states that I mentioned before, they can go to a dedicated site that we have set up for this particular fight that's called uh, trumpcare10.org. That's trumpcare10.org. And um, they will find uh, daily call scripts that they can use to begin to have a conversation with their senator about what's happening with uh, Medicaid and uh, the Affordable Care Act. You know, we always tell folks the most powerful thing they can do is to speak from the heart and talk about how these proposals would affect them and their families and their neighbors and their communities. So that's really what we should be calling all our, our members of Congress about. But these call scripts provide a little bit of a framework to know how to structure a conversation like that. And honestly, it takes a little bit of the, 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 the mystery out of uh, doing something that some folks might be doing for the first time, which is to show up and have a conversation with a congressional staffer. So if we go on indivisibleguide.com, there are uh, scripts that are being uploaded daily about all of the different ways that uh, the American Health Care Act would uh, affect things like Medicaid, but also uh, folks with pre-existing conditions, uh, nursing homes, folks that are worried about uh, the opio opioid uh, crisis. You know, there are many angles to this and there are many ways that we could be talking to Congress about it. And finally, there is a map. Uh, that is found under a tab called Act Locally. And if folks open up the, the Act Locally map, they, they would be able to see in their zip code what indivisible groups are already active um, and what town halls might be planned in their district so that they can go and show up and, and talk in person to their member of Congress about how they feel. Gonzalo Martinez de Vidia, thank you for taking the time today to talk with our members about what they can do to save their health care services. Thanks so much for having me.
You've been listening to Tash Amplified. For more about the series, including show notes, links to articles discussed, a complete transcript, and a schedule of episodes, visit tash.org amplified. You can subscribe through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app to have the series delivered automatically to your device so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and on your social networks. Today we spoke with Gonzalo Martinez de Vidia from the Indivisible Project. To learn more about Indivisible, download their Constituent Action Guide, and find an Indivisible group in your area, visit www.indivisibleguide.com. If you live in one of the ten key states that Gonzalo listed as having a senator who is on the fence, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Louisiana, Maine, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, or West Virginia, visit Indivisible's website dedicated to constituents influencing those senators, TrumpCare10, at www.trumpcare10, that's T-E-N, dot O-R-G. TASH also has its own Save Medicaid kit on our website, which you can find at tash.org slash savemedicaid. But mostly you should call your senator before Thursday next week and let them know how these cuts to critical services will impact you or the people you support. TASH is a values and research-based advocacy association with an over 40-year record advocating for the rights of people with disabilities. TASH is a coalition that unites people with disabilities, researchers, educators, service providers, family members, and others in the cause of guaranteeing that people with disabilities are able to participate in all aspects of life. In addition to this podcast series, we offer a scholarly quarterly, Research and Practice for Persons with Severe Disabilities, a popular magazine, Connections, local chapters covering 18 states, a series of webinars and regional conferences, and our annual conference. The theme for our 2017 annual conference is Still We Rise for Equity, Opportunity, and Inclusion. The conference will be in Atlanta, Georgia from December 13th through 15th and will feature about 1,000 attendees and 300 presentations by researchers, self-advocates, family members, educators, agency personnel, and other experts and advocates. You can learn more and register for the conference at tash.org slash conference2017. You can receive updates from TASH on this podcast and our other activities by following us on Facebook or on Twitter at TASH Tweet. Music for TASH Amplified is an original composition and performance by Sonny Seferati, the co-director and autistic self-advocacy mentor at The Musical Autist. You can learn more about The Musical Autist at www.themusicalautist.org. This has been a sample of the colleagues and conversations available through TASH. It is only because of the excellent work that our members do that we can bring you this information. For more resources such as this, and to become a member, visit tash.org join. We'll hear from another outstanding advocate again in two weeks. <laughs>